Sometimes you wake up and you get hit in the head with a reality that you have been wasting your time doing something that is only hindering your forward progress. If you've ever felt that way before, this episode is for you. And furthermore, if you've ever asked yourself, why is my book not selling as many copies as it should? That is an answer I'm going to start to tackle today. So please keep listening to find out why your book isn't selling as many copies as it should and what you can do to fix it. Hey, I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. Your book is not selling as many copies as it should because you're not spending money on it. Hey, that's it. You've cracked the code. You're not making any money on your book because you're not spending any money on it. But there's a little bit more nuance. I'm thinking you already know that. All right. Trust me, this is not a bait and switch. I am not reeling you in to have you listen to a podcast episode where I'm going to talk about something that doesn't relate to the intro, but I do want to let you know that this is an episode about money, and you're going to be hearing a lot more of this going forward because I had the realization just this morning that One of the things I've avoided talking with you about is one of the things that I'm actually an expert in. And so let me put this in perspective, because some of you are probably going to be turned off by a little bit of what you consider to be bragging. I'm not bragging. I just want you to understand my credentials so that maybe, maybe you'll listen to me when I talk to you about how to sell more copies of your books by using these money principles. Okay. Back in 2019, I got a little bug. I was tired of working full-time in my job. In fact, some of you may have heard this story. Originally, it was part of my podcast trailer, but essentially what I did in 2019 is I, I thought, my agent can't sell my novel for whatever reason. I didn't understand. I was burned out, and what I knew I needed to do was have a plan where I could escape the world of the wage earner. No more wage earner. I wanted out and I wanted to make money on my terms so that I could focus all my energy and time on writing. So what did I do? I went out and I bought my first real estate investment. Actually, what I did was I took the house I'd been living in for five years and I fixed it all up. I held on to it and I put renters in it and I bought another house for me and my family to live in. So I had a rental house and the house I was living in. And then I started searching everywhere and researching and studying, and I found another house that was cheap, and I talked to a bunch of different acquaintances that I had, and I found somebody who was willing to lend me the money to buy this terrible, stinky fixer-upper. And my wife and I, hands-on, fixed that house up 
and put renters in it and then refinanced it through the bank, made a bunch of money, and had a second rental house. Shortly after that, I had another opportunity to buy a house out in the country. So I bought that house and I turned the house I had been living into another rental. And then shortly after that, I had one more opportunity to partner up with an old friend of mine to buy together a piece of real estate. And I didn't have to spend any money out of pocket because I was able to get it at a low enough price and refinance it with a credit union so that I had another rental house. So in about the span of 18 months, I picked up four rental houses. And the house that I'm living in right now that I I moved out to in the country, I own it free and clear. There is no debt on it. The way I was able to do this is the same way that you can take your book, which already is an asset, and make it make money for you. There are some principles that you have to follow and think about when you finish writing a book. Because the hardest mindset shift you're going to have is flipping your brain from thinking of your work as a piece of art or a personal expression or an entertaining yarn. You're going to have to flip all of that that you've been thinking about for maybe years. Because I don't know if you're like me, but it takes me years to write books still. You have to flip all of that over. And now you think of this book as an asset, just like a piece of real estate. It's an asset that if you use it correctly and treat it like it is an asset, it can make you tons of money. Tons of money. So we're going to use the metaphor for houses, for real estate. Suppose that you are me, and you have that first book, and you want to turn it into a money-making machine. The first thing you want to do is start on another book. Get it going so that you have another asset to lean into while you're marketing the first. The reason this works so specifically well is because our brains are hardwired to freak out when we try to do something risky or dangerous. And the best way to prevent you from freaking out is by creating more assets. All the times in my investing life when I was struggling the most were the times when I was standing still. I never freaked out when I was in the process of buying or fixing up one of my real estate investments. I only freaked out when I was standing still, wondering where's the money come from to pay some of the leverage that I have, or where's the money for the next investment going to come, or how many more times do I have to do this before I am free of the man? In the coming weeks, I'm going to discuss with you a variety of strategies and dive deeper into the process of using this mindset about your book as an asset. I'm going to talk to you specifically about how you can leverage it to make the most money on it. But right now, I really want to make sure that you start to buy in to the new way of thinking about your book. So the best analogy, the best story I can give you is that the house that I lived in When I had no investment properties, I'd been living there for five years. It was where my third son was born. I was living in that house when he was born. 
my office was in the back one of the rooms and I had my bookshelves all in there. I was surrounded by books. I had my standing desk set up perfectly like I wanted it. There was this really lush blue carpet that I stood on that was so comfortable on my feet. It was this enclosed space of quiet where I could work. And I can't overstate how emotionally connected I was to that space. It was my space. It was the first time I'd ever had an office that was all my own. Somewhere where I could close the door and get away from the screaming children, write my books, somewhere where I could go to close the door and read if things were just too loud. I had a beautiful view of my backyard. Just so wonderful. When it came time to rent that house, to move to another one, it was painful. It hurt me to move out of that house. I was so connected to it. I couldn't imagine liking another house better. And when we found our our second house, I knew quickly that the space would fit better. But the the new room that was going to be my office, it didn't have a door on it. And sure, we could have installed a door, but more or less, it was just not my old office. Nothing was going to be quite right about it. It was in the near the entry room, and uh, it was much more exposed. It was dark all day long. It had a, a north-facing window on it, so I, I really never got good sunshine like I had in that old office. I sacrificed something, but I knew that the house that I had been living in made a better rental and that it was more affordable to use it as a rental and get a primary mortgage loan on the new house. So listen, I'm not going to go deep into all of those details. It just, we had to move. I knew that. So my baby became my asset. And to this day, it is far and away my best producing asset even though a later house that I would buy was a steal, uh, and I made double the cash on a refinance on it. You got to think of your book as an asset, even though it's going to be really challenging to do that. So I've said this word so many times, asset, and you probably have in your mind what an asset is. Uh, Cars. Wedding rings, houses, stocks, bonds. Anything that has value that doesn't depreciate ultimately with use is an asset. Now, there are better assets and worse assets. There are assets that banks will treat as assets that you should not think of as an asset. However, let me ask you an obvious question, but one that bears asking anyway. Can a book lose its value. No, the vessel that it's in can. Maybe it's a paperback. Maybe it's a hardcover. That vessel can lose value, but the words don't go away. The words don't change unless you edit them. The words don't change. They they remain the same. So you can just make more of them. And there's digital books as well to think about. And, and that's a whole different story, but the book itself is an asset that will never lose value. In fact, A book will only gain in value over time. It may be more difficult to sell as the years go by unless you write a bestseller like To Kill a Mockingbird or 1984. 
But ultimately, the book itself never loses value, and it gains value over time because as money inflates, so does the cost of books and the purchase price that's acceptable. So today you may be able to get a great deal and think a 99-cent book is a steal in a couple of years or maybe a couple of months the way things are going. It may be a steal to get one for a buck ninety-nine, and you might not even shrug. Well, your book just doubled in price overnight because money inflated. So you have an asset that is inflation-proof. That is an awesome thing. Celebrate that. Now that house that I've been referring to that I bought dirt cheap, I got it because the gentleman who had been living there passed away and he didn't have any family to help him effectively deal with the situation. So I was able to get it at a really good price But the trade-off was I had to clean up a place that that man had smoked in for at least a decade, had pets pooping and peeing on the wood floors. The smell in that house was horrific. No regular buyer would have gone in there and said, yeah, this is where I want to start my dream. And so my wife and I wore respirators and we ripped out every single thing in that house. We kept nothing. It all stank so tremendously bad that it was nothing was salvageable. We tore everything down to the base. And then we got an oil paint and we painted every surface of the house, ceilings, walls, floors, everything in a white oil paint to lock in the nasty smell. And then from there, we started doing improvements and making the house a great place for a renter, for a tenant to move in. When it was all said and done, we hadn't spent a ton of money. Now, we did DIY it, but hey, you're an author. You get DIY. There's really no other way to make an asset. So we're all good there. You're going to DIY your way to having a great asset. And along the way, your book is going to be a lot like that house. It's going to be stinky, smelly. There's probably going to be dead people in it. (laughs) And it's just going to be a mess. But eventually, you're going to get to the point where all of the fixings look really nice. And what did I have to do right away with that asset, that house, that you also have to start thinking about doing with your book? I had to buy it. I had to find money for it. And finding money for it was a challenge because I didn't have the money to buy the house. I had to go to somebody else and borrow money. And that meant taking a risk on myself because if I was wrong about the market or the cost or if I found out that termites had infested the the place, I was in trouble. There are some unknowns. You can mitigate some risk for sure. And I did. But there's always the unforeseen. And we landed in plenty of unforeseen. We had a contractor who totally defrauded us on a project they did. And that came out of my pocket. We had some other issues along the way for some of the technicalities I couldn't fix with the roofing. And it hurt. On Christmas Eve, that house had a massive water leak in the basement that I caused by being stupid. That cost me a lot of money and a headache. But in the end... A huge amount of the wealth that I created came from that house. And that's how you have to think about your book. Bet on yourself because the book is good if you've paid the money to make it that way. Nobody makes a great book for free. Get it out of your head. It doesn't happen. I promise you 100% you are not the exception to the rule. Your book is trash. 
unless you spend money to make it good. Even if you are the top editor at an editing agency, you cannot edit your own book. It's impossible. I don't know why that is a rule, but it is a rule you have to get an editor. And if you don't pay money for that editor and you trade editing services, that's great. Somewhere along the way, you're not going to be able to trade your way to a finished product. Okay? You're going to have to spend money on a great cover design. And listen, let me step back a little bit because we are talking specifically about self-publishing right now. I can apply all of this to traditional publishing as well. But I think a lot of people coming right now are listening for self-publishing information. And so I will do a future episode where I talk about traditional publishing and how this all fits. It is important for a traditionally published author to understand you still have to spend money on your asset. You can't expect the publisher to spend all the money for you. That's kind of like getting a free house. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Even if you inherit a house from your parents, there are stipulations and you're going to have to pay capital expenses like replacing a water heater eventually. There are just things that go with upkeep. Anyway, I've gotten on a tangent. I want you to hear this because it will change your life if you just embrace it. Even if you're poor right now, it's okay. Take on a little bit of extra work if you're able to set some money aside if that makes you more comfortable or start saving as you're building this book and you're writing the first draft if you're not already finished with the draft. Whatever it is, wherever you are right now, just put it inside your head that you're going to spend several thousand dollars to get the book ready for publication. And that's not where the money stops. You're going to have to spend money to advertise it. You're going to have to spend money on marketing. You're going to have to spend more money on advertising and then more money on marketing. You're going to have to spend that money because you can't get the results you need going door to door. You can get some great results going door to door if you're willing to do that work. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend leaning on your family and your friends network and telling them to buy a digital copy for $4.99 because Dang it, they know you, and five bucks is the cost of a freaking cup of coffee from Starbucks right now. How stupid is that? You could drink a cup of coffee or you could support your best friend, your family member, for five dollars. And that book will change things for the author. You can say, I knew him when, because he's going to be a New York Times best-selling author. But you've got to spend money on advertising because you don't have a network big enough to get the sales by word of mouth. You're going to have to find new readers that you've never talked to before. All the strategies in the world cannot get you in front of enough readers through friendship, through time spent. So what is your book again? That's right. It's an asset. Your book is an asset. And now, if I've done my job and if you've been listening you're either really angry that I'm talking so pragmatically about a piece of art, which is a good sign because that means you actually know what I'm saying is real and true and honest, or you're buying in and you're thinking of your book right now as an asset. And the moment that you do that, everything is going to change for your publishing career. Everything changes the minute you deeply accept your book is an asset. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you a ton, and I appreciate you listening to all of the episodes that came before this when I didn't realize that I had something important to say about publishing. That's the other thing. It is really difficult 
to just find your thing. So forgive yourself today if you're struggling through anything, if you're feeling a little bit lost, a little bit aimless. I give you permission to forgive yourself. You're searching. You're fighting. Keep fighting. Keep searching. Put this into practice. Your book is an asset. You're going to make thousands, tens of thousands, I dare say hundreds of thousands of dollars on your novels. Keep writing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter, and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.